listening to Leah and Alana watch The X-Files. Leah's seen it. Alana hasn't. I'm Leah. I'm Alana. Well, we made it to episode five. Season two, episode five, to be exact. That is true. It's episode five of season two. We have made it. Um, I, I gotta say, I wasn't concerned in between last week and this week whether we would make it or not, but I'm glad we did. You know, it, I think it's just best that we always celebrate. You know, I, I don't want to take anything for granted here. You make a really good point. That's that's a really good point. So congratulations to us. Uh, episode five. Really well done. I mean, A-plus so far, we're 20 seconds in. I think you're killing it. I feel strong. Uh, Things are going well. (laughs) I want to talk a little bit about David Duchovny, because at the time we're recording this, really around the time we're recording this, he's been doing a lot of promo tours, a lot of press for his new book, Mm-hmm. That's coming out. In case this is new knowledge to our listeners, David Duchovny is also an author of three books, I think now, honestly, maybe four. Uh, and he's he's been promoting his most recent one. Yeah, he's he's a fiction author, to be to be clear. You know, he's not writing numerous autobiographies. Um, he writes uh, fiction, and all of them are very different they are really different and this one is called truly like lightning and it's some type of cowboy western that is also about a mormon community yeah he seems to pack a lot of things into his books like i'm not i haven't read it and i think i probably have to in order to understand how the fuck he pulls this off. Or maybe he doesn't. (laughs) I'm fascinated by him as a writer. And I do think I I might buy this most recent book, but I think I'm equally scared of, one, what if I don't like it at all, and I think he's a horrible writer, or two, what if I really like it, and I think he's a great writer. I don't think either of those scenarios seem ideal. Yeah, I mean, it's difficult because it's kind of like, it just, it can't be worse than his music. That's all I can think, you know, like, even if it's not great, it's not as bad as the music he puts out. There's just no way. Uh, I don't know. I think you should maybe knock on wood for that. All right. Done. Great. There we go. I stand by it. (laughs) Well, so I want to talk specifically about, he did an interview with The New Yorker that I read um, this past week, and there were a few lines in this that I just wanted to call out. One is actually kind of like poetic. I'll read this paragraph. So talking about David Duchovny, he'd just gone to see his mother, who is 91, in her apartment on 9th Street, a rare visit in this COVID year. He brought her a copy of his new novel, Truly Like Lightning, out this month. 
It's his fourth, all of them published by this publishing company. Does she read them? David Duchovny says. No, she just feels the weight of them. Which is very poetic. I have follow-up questions. Okay, sure. Um, does that mean she just holds them? <laughs> I mean, if you take it literally, yes. I think she just holds them. But I think metaphorically, he's saying she just feels the weight of what it means that her son became a published author. But <laughs> what is not a metaphor is that she doesn't read them. Yeah, she doesn't read his book. She's like, I'm so proud of you. I can't believe you're a published author. I will not be, I will not be reading this, though. She's 91. What? And she can't read? Maybe not. We don't know. <laughs> you're right. I hope she watches The X-Files at least. Yeah, that's the only thing she still she doesn't actually. She doesn't support any of his artistic endeavors. <laughs> no, she just feels the weight of the DVD box sets of the X Files. I would think that she probably does that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, there's another paragraph here that I want to read, and this takes a, a bit of a a, a different um, a different turn. So, him and the writer are walking. Um, so, he stopped at another lot. I spent a lot of time in this basketball court, he said. I remember the worst thing I ever saw in the court was a guy spit in another guy's face. I recall it with a shudder. What are the origins of that gesture? It's just about the worst thing you can do to a person. He paused. Unless they want it, he grinned. I don't judge. I just don't, I feel, I feel uncomfortable. Um, I felt like when I just read that right now, I felt like I was reading fan fiction. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's the same level of, of discomfort. Um, I mean, I guess, you know, I just find it, it's interesting to me. He's like, he's so appalled by the gesture of spitting in someone's face, which I get is, you know, horrible. But I just, I don't know. It seems like his, dis like someone spit in his face and he's still not over it is what it feels like to me. <laughs> I've never heard somebody ask, what is the origin of that gesture about <laughs> spitting in someone's face? <laughs> Yeah, me either. Like, I don't know. They were angry. I like <laughs> I mean, it's really the part I it's it's all very important, but it's really the part where he says unless they like it, I don't judge. That feels the most important to me. Yeah. Well, of course, because it's, you know, inherently sexual and David Duchovny is you know, can't not make sexual references, apparently. Um, 
it makes me feel like someone in his sexual history asked him to spit in their face. And he was like, you know, I really don't get this, but if that's what you want, I'll do it. Yeah. And then he asked them the origins of the gesture. <laughs> right. Yeah. They had a very non-judgmental conversation about it. Yeah. I mean, I hope so. Wow. Have we ever talked on the podcast about his uh, book, Holy Cow? Um, no, no, I don't think we have. That's incredible that we never mentioned it once um, because it's insane. It's insane. It's absurd that we've never mentioned it. It's like, I mean, once again, we have not read it. Um, but just based on the description, the summary that's available online, absolutely batshit crazy book is, you know, what what I've gathered. Yeah, should I read the synopsis? I think definitely yes. Okay, here we go. So this is the synopsis that is on Amazon.com. And this is Holy Cow, a novel by David Duchovny. Elsie Bovary is a cow, and a pretty happy one at that. Her long, lazy days are spent eating, napping, and chatting with her best friend, Mallory. One night, Elsie and Mallory sneak out of their pasture, but while Mallory is interested in flirting with the neighboring bulls, Elsie finds herself drawn to the farmhouse. Through the window, she sees the farmer's family gathered around a bright box god, and box god is capitalized. And what the box god reveals about something called an industrial meat farm shakes Elsie's understanding of her world to its core. There's only one solution, escape to a better, safer world. And so a motley crew is formed. Elsie, Jerry, excuse me, Shalom, a cranky Torah-reading pig who recently converted to Judaism, and Tom, a suave, in his own mind at least, turkey who can't fly, but who can work an iPhone with his beak. Toting stolen passports and slapdash human disguises, they head for the airport. Elsie is our wisecracking pop culture referencing, dropping, slyly written, witty narrator. Tom, who does eventually learn to fly, sort of, dispenses psychiatric advice in a fake German accent, and Shalom, rejected by his adopted people in Jerusalem, ends up unexpectedly uniting Israelis and Palestine. And I'm just going to stop right there because I feel like that line is really, there's nowhere to go from there. Nope, that's the end of it. Um, It's just... It's like half of it feels like this is the plot to a children's movie. And half of it just makes my brain explode. Specifically. Yeah, go ahead. Israelis and Palestine. Palestine. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's a lot to take in. It's a big thing. And I just want to reread this one sentence. Jerry, excuse me, Shalom, a cranky Torah-reading pig who recently converted to Judaism. So the pig is named Shalom. And I just don't... Is this anti-Semitic? I don't know. (laughs) That's a good question. I think it's trying really hard not to be, and therefore is, somehow. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, Shalom unexpectedly unites the Israelis and Palestinians. So unexpected. How does he do it unexpected? Like it just it happens. 
I guess, yeah. Seems like you're taking a really big real world problem and putting it into this fictional world of animals trying to escape and I I mean it's a big task. It's a big undertaking. Uh, it's a weird choice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't say that David Duchovny isn't taking a big swing here. He's really, he's oh, yeah. taking a huge swing. Yeah, I just don't know, you know, whether or not he misses. It's probably the best book ever written. <laughs> I'm looking through, I, so, to be fair, this, on Amazon, this has 514 ratings, and it has a 4.1 out of 5. So most people rated it somewhat well, but I'm looking at the one-star reviews. As you should. And, right. Uh, this is what, <laughs> this is what one... Uh, one star review says the title is not for me David get a grip and then the content says sorry but I can't finish this book David your heart is in the right place but your audiobook is upsetting me I really like Elsie but not your interruptions it's coming out of my car CD player today I'm very aware of animal rights violations and you're making me cry you needed a really good editor whoa <laughs> so it seems like she thinks she likes the character of Elsie and she thinks maybe everything else is David Duchovny interrupting the book instead of reading the book. Yeah, that's where I was caught up as well. And I'm wondering if she meant like interpretation, like if she doesn't like the way he reads her voice or if she's impossible. Is he interjecting his own thoughts throughout and throughout the audiobook? Because I would like to listen to that. <laughs> I just think that can't be true. Like he just no. has to be reading the book, right? I think you that's what you have to do in an audiobook, yeah. But you did make me think that I do want to hear him doing these voices. Oh yeah. These I animals. Think we are gonna buy this audiobook. I mean immediately. Yeah. There's I just we have to. There's no way around it. And did she... What What does she mean that she's very aware of animal rights violations? Just because th that's part of the theme of the book? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I, it does seem like part of this is about um, Elsie the cow learning about factory farming. Um, so I assume that's what she's referring to. But she says specifically, you're making me cry. Um, and then you really needed a good editor. So it just feels like she's personally hurt by this information and is taking it out on him for even mentioning it. Yeah, she's like, you didn't have to bring this up. I already know about it. Okay, I've heard about it and I am upset. I did just realize I was trying to figure this out because I, in the description, I said something about Elsie like finds the farmhouse, looks in the farmhouse and sees this box God that tells her about factory farming. Mm -hmm. And I didn't understand what that was, but I think now it must be referring 
to television, right? Yeah, it's definitely a television. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense than what I was envisioning. Yeah, which was... I guess I was just envisioning, like, this family in the farmhouse all around a dinner table, and there's a big box, and they open the box, and there's just a bunch of godly, like, light that comes out of it. I hope that it is that, and then it's not the TV. I mean, I guess that is what a TV is anyway. You just don't have to open it. You just turn it on. Right, and it does glow, and, you know, it is like God for most of us, so. Yes. Um, yeah, but it's definitely, the, I think they're definitely referencing a television. <laughs> yeah, yeah, makes a lot of sense. I want to know what happens to Mallory, you know? Does she just flirt with the bulls the whole time, or? The synopsis doesn't say, but it, it doesn't sound like she becomes part of the gang, so maybe. I mean, they start, she... they start with her, and then they just leave her behind. Yeah, maybe she doesn't want to leave the bulls that she's flirting with, or maybe she gets lost to the horrors of factory farming. Oh, Lord. Yeah, that's why that woman is so upset. Probably. It sounds like something very upsetting happens. I can't even believe I didn't consider the fact that there's an audiobook and that he read it. Me neither. I bought um, this yeah. months ago. Ugh. <laughs> uh. I can't wait to hear him read this. <laughs> okay, one more. I'm just going to read one more quick review okay. because this is just really succinct. This is the so, David Duchovny podcast now. It's not about the X-Files. It's about his literary works. Exactly, yes. Um, okay, tried my best to like it, but it was mainly babble that I became increasingly sick of reading. Stopped one third of the way in. Just the fact that, you know, that other woman said interruptions, this woman said babble. It sounds like a lot of it is, like, probably just somehow, like, David Duchovny's thoughts in a fiction book. Yeah, I mean, maybe he even, because this second person read the book, didn't listen to the audiobook, read it. Maybe he, like, takes time out and is like, here's my two cents on this. David Duchovny's thoughts. I mean, I hope so. Or he just interjects them as though they're Elsie's, but they're clearly not because she's a fictional cow. I felt like I was insulting her, but but she's it, a cow. <laughs> it, it did feel insulting. I felt insulted for her. I, I am a fan, you know. I haven't read it, but I, I know she's, you know, the hero of this story. Yeah, she is. Um, but yeah, so if you didn't know that David Duchovny was a prolific author, now you do. Now you can go and get all his audiobooks, and if you don't want to listen, you can just feel the weight of them. David Duchovny is in this episode of The X-Files, which is pretty cool. What a correlation. He is. That's, it's, what a coincidence. Can you believe it? We were just talking about him, and now he's in this episode. So this is, as we already said, at the top of the show, episode five of season two, titled Dwayne Barry. Dwayne Barry. Dwayne Barry is a man's name 
Um, and he does, in fact, refer to himself as Dwayne Barry the entire episode. He does. He talks about himself in the third person a lot. And using his, his full name. Mm-hmm. Dwayne Barry. Dwayne Barry is a, 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 apparently a, a multiple uh, abductee. He has been abducted by aliens seemingly numerous times. Um, and it, it's really fucked him up. It has. And the first time we see him being abducted, he's in his house with his dog. And I think the dog is really the star of this episode. Um, <laughs> the whole episode. The whole episode. I think this dog is the star. He is a very good dog. And he somehow, when the aliens get in the house, the dog is somehow outside, which... I felt very happy for that dog that he was watching from afar because uh, I was very concerned that the dog was going to die and he didn't. He didn't. I kind of wonder, you know, are there instances of animal abduction by aliens? Because you would think, I mean, I know that humans are the advanced species and so we're the ones they really want to, you know, understand. Don't you think... Like, if we found an alien species and there was something that resembled, like, an alien dog, I feel like we'd be, we'd be checking in on it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know about other species, but as we briefly talked about, there are sometimes cow mutilations that uh, people relate back to aliens or have conspiracy theories that aliens could be responsible for. So it's humans and cows for them. That's what it seems like. Although I don't know, you know, if if they abducted any wild animals, how would we know? I guess that's true. There are, you know, plenty. They're not taking domesticated dogs. Right. You bring up a really good point. Well... Maybe the cow, Elsie, in David Duchovny's book, runs into aliens. You know, I think that that would be one that I'd like to read. (laughs) Um, But in this first scene, when Dwayne Barry gets, he doesn't quite get abducted, or, I don't know, it just seems like the aliens are all in his house. There are a lot of aliens. Like, it's not like they sent one or two aliens. Like, they sent a whole crew of aliens. Yeah, it feels like too many. I mean, at least too many came out of the ship. Like, why do they all need to come? Why did any of them need to come? Couldn't they just, like, beam them up? I guess not. They needed, like, a team. Maybe they've already abducted him so many times, I guess, that they're like, oh, we don't need to, like, fully bring him up. We'll just, like, pop in and then we'll leave. Yeah, they're just fucking with him, I think, half the time. That is what it seems like. We do see a lot of aliens in this episode. This one is, it's pretty heavy on the alien imagery. It is, and I do have to say that I hope this is not what aliens really look like. Uh, 
I the the alien costumes in this episode were not great. No, they very much um kind of looked like men in suits mm-hmm. um with giant gray heads. But yeah, I think I think real aliens would look different, but you know, I guess they could look exactly like this. Well, you know, in a previous episode, I mentioned how the aliens seem to have very long, uh, uh, debatably sexy legs. Mm-hmm. I would say all of the aliens in this episode were pretty short. They did not have those long legs. Yeah, these were different ones, uh, or just like less tall ones, I guess. Maybe there are taller ones and shorter ones. I don't know. I, I guess that's true of humans. but. They definitely um, did not have the same sex appeal as uh, aliens from a previous episode. No, I don't think these ones had any sex appeal. I'm sorry to say. Disappointing, frankly. Yeah. Aliens are going to come to get us. We would like to request the sexy ones. Definitely. Yes. So Alex uh, Krychek is in this episode again. And I have to yep. say that when he showed up, in between last week and this week, when I watched this episode, I had forgotten that he existed. And when he showed up, I was very disappointed. I'm so sorry. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's in the show a decent amount. I mean, I won't say it's constant, but it's, you know... I recognized him when I saw him as that other character. I can say that. And um, he's here for a little bit in season two. He doesn't really do anything in this episode, I have to say. Like, barely anything at all. Except for one moment, which was enjoyable, where um, basically he was... uh, Not to get too far ahead, but Mulder kind of got into an argument with another FBI agent and Alex asked that agent if he could help instead. And that agent asks him to get her coffee order, which was funny. Yeah. I think she treated him with exactly the amount of respect that he deserves. Um, It was hilarious. Now in this first scene that we see him in though, he goes to see Mulder, who is swimming. Um, you know, who knew Mulder was such an avid swimmer? And uh, I would say, you know, that, uh, well, I told you there'd be many treats this season. And it feels like this is a pretty big one. It was. Uh, This was a revelation for me. Mulder, of course, gets out of the pool. He's wearing a Speedo. Um, It's a lot to take in. And I wish that I had known that this scene existed whenever we were talking or debating about how big David Duchovny's penis might be. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think you really see it more in this episode than you do in a lot of episodes. Yeah, that's absolutely true. You know, I didn't want to spoil it for you. I, I, you needed to 
to be hit with the shock factor. Uh, you had to wait for it. And now we get to have that discussion again. So you're welcome. I was so happy when this happened. And I do have to admit, like, I don't want to objectify David Duchovny too much. But I will say that when he gets out of the pool, I did pause for a little bit. I, I just, you know, I just needed to pause and make sure I was seeing what I was seeing. I think that David Duchovny would want you to objectify him. I think you're probably right about it. I think that that's true. <laughs> I think he would be absolutely okay with it. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. I'd like to hear it. Uh, you paused. Would you like to give a vivid description? Would you like to just recall maybe some of your thoughts in the moment? Yeah. I mean, so he's wearing a red Speedo. Mm -hmm. Um you can kind of see his junk in it. Um, you know, I, I, I won't say like I measured it or anything, but I can see how the rumors could be true. Uh, I think that they probably are true. There is a solid outline uh, visible in this episode. I have to wonder what made them do this. I mean, this must be a very intentional decision that they made to have Mulder be swimming and to have David Duchovny in a Speedo. And I'm assuming that at this point, many people probably had a crush on David Duchovny and they had to be like, well, let's get him naked. And I have to also assume that David Duchovny was like, let's get me naked. Yeah, exactly. I think it was, I think those are the, the two things that created this uh, this beautiful moment, and, yeah, I would imagine it got, um, positive responses. I think that this bodes well for me to know that the network obviously knew what we were looking for here, and that they delivered on it. I don't expect him to be swimming in every episode. I don't know if he'll swim in another episode ever again. I, I don't know that answer, but it does make me hopeful that maybe there will be more states of undress. Yeah, this one is, this one is extreme, but, you know, you got nine more seasons ahead of you, so you never know. I'm like, he's actually fully nude by season 11. And, I mean, I know a lot of things are going on at this time. We talked about how Jillian Anderson was pregnant or recently pregnant um, around the time of these episodes. But I like that they chose to objectify David Duchovny and not Jillian Anderson. Yeah, they really did, um, which was a strong choice and a choice that I support them doing. Um, yeah, it's not Scully in a bikini. It's Mulder and mm -hmm. Espino. Yeah, the way it should be. No. Not that I would object to seeing Jillian Anderson in a bikini. I just well. want her to feel respected. Oh, absolutely. She deserves that way more than David Duchovny does. <laughs> yes. 
And I think David Duchovny probably does feel respected by being asked to be in a Speedo. Yeah, he's like, that's his Speedo, too. Like, you know, the costuming department department didn't have to do anything. He was like, I, I got it, I'll, I'll bring mine. Yeah. And they probably didn't even want him in a Speedo. They were just, like, swimming, and he was, like, showed up that day in the Speedo and nothing else and was like, I'm ready. And they were like, uh, David, and they let him do it. I believe that version. Like, well, that's the episode. Um, <laughs> that was great. I, I did pause the episode there, and I never started it again. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. Uh, you missed a lot, though. <laughs> yeah, so, so Dwayne Barry is in... Some sort of psychiatric institution, hospital, um, and in a meeting with his doctor, we see that he is no longer on his medication and says that he's hearing voices and that they're coming again, and he's very upset, and so he basically breaks out, runs away, takes the doctor hostage, and winds up in a travel agency with the doctor and somehow three other people he's taken hostage, um, you know, demanding that he gets, he wants to take the doctor to the site of his abduction, except he does not know or remember where it is. And they call Mulder in to um, basically negotiate with him because Obviously, he has expertise on aliens and abductions. And um, that's where we're at. Yeah, so they bring Mulder in because they're essentially like, we need to keep this guy busy. So just like talk to him about alien stuff as long as you can. And they were obviously like, Mulder is the guy to do this. But then they tell him that at the beginning, but... Whenever he tries to do that, they keep reinforcing, like, you can't give power to his delusions. So they want him to keep him talking, but they don't want him to say that he believes him, which you really shouldn't have brought Mulder in on this then. Yeah, you called him the wrong guy, like, 100%. And if you don't want them, you know, chit-chatting about aliens and comparing stories, then you should have used any other agent in the FBI. Right. The one reason to use Mulder is to have someone who believed this guy. Yeah, which, like, does make sense and would work and kind of does work as we see, but they definitely... It's like Mulder is going against what they want him to do. But it's like, obviously, this is what you need to do. Like, I'm pretty sure in most hostage situations, like, you need to validate that person. And this is just my understanding from watching television. <laughs> I'm like, when I was in a hostage situation, I really had to make them feel seen. Um, but I think that that's what you have to do because they know that you think that they're crazy. And they need to not be seen that way. And so, duh, bring in the guy that also believes in aliens. Well, it's interesting because they have, like, those 
four pillars of conflict resolution they keep referring to. And the top one is honesty. Like you're supposed to come to the hostage negotiation with honesty and you aren't supposed to lie to them. And this is Mulder being honest. Like he really does believe in this stuff. He's being, I mean, as honest as he's ever been. This is him as his true self. And so, I mean, yeah, really they shouldn't ever be telling him not to, not to say what he believes. Yeah. They also set him up to fail a little bit because they don't tell him that this guy, Dwayne Barry, is a former FBI agent, which seems like important information because Dwayne Barry is immediately like oh you're just like using the bureau's tactics on me like I know exactly what you're doing and it's like well Mulder probably would have been better knowing that going into it yeah they absolutely should have led with that they're like oh we're trying to minimize and it's like well the person that's negotiating with him is the one that needs to know like that is the definition of your need to know basis and yeah he would have absolutely been able to uh, I think handle it better and probably get further at the beginning than you know than he did if he had known that this guy like knows and understands exactly what is happening on the other side. Yeah, that's true. So Scully is at first, to be honest, I thought she might not be in this episode at all. Um, she is in this episode a tiny bit. Mulder, basically, like, after he takes his first pass at talking to this guy, he calls her. And I don't really even know if he's looking for help as much as he's just like, oh, Skelly, I got this case. Like, he just, like, wants to vent to her, I think. Yeah, he's like, it's crazy. (laughs) But then all the lights in both buildings go out. Um, and... Mulder stops talking to Scully. Yeah. Um, but she does, I guess I can't remember if he asks her to, but she, you know, winds up pulling up all the information she can find on him, on Dwayne Barry. Um, because he, Mulder's working on very limited information. Um, but yeah, all the power goes out. Scully's gone. They have to, uh, there are gunshots crazy lights, nonsense, and they try to send in an EMT, and they send Mulder in, dressed up as an EMT. Lots of fun little costumes we get to see him in this episode. Um, And so they are inside with Dwayne at this point, instead of communicating over the phone. Yeah, the EMT costume he's wearing is very um, adorable. He looks pretty cute in it. But it was an interesting tactic because they sent him in there with what I presume is a real EMT. And then just him dressed as an EMT. And I don't really know if that was just to get him in the door. I'm guessing that's maybe what it was. But like they couldn't possibly expect that Mulder could go in there and keep talking to this guy and make him believe he's an EMT. 
Yeah, I think it's just to get him in the door, and that's why they sent both of them, and then, you know, wind up getting Dwayne Barry to agree to let the other guy take this guy who's been shot out of there because he's going to die, and there's really no reason for, you know, he doesn't want anything from anyone other than the doctor, and to get where he wants to go. Those other people are just like unlucky. And yeah, they, I think they probably didn't think through much beyond the fact that they need Mulder in the door, but also like no one should have been surprised when Dwayne Barry was like, yeah, they can leave, but that means you have to stay like, yeah, no shit. You think he's just going to let you all leave? Right, obviously. And I think at this point, although I could be wrong, I think Mulder has shared that his sister was abducted and Dwayne is starting to trust him and starting to be like, oh, this guy believes me. Um, so he's going to stay. He does tie Mulder up and he tied the doctor up, but there are the other hostages he did not tie up. That's true. They're just just sitting on the ground. They do flash back to Dwayne Barry, one of his experiences being abducted by aliens. And they show him on this weird table and he's got a bunch of metal things in his mouth, prying his mouth open. And we see this and we hear him yelling and like the retelling of this that they drilled into his teeth. And we actually see them drill into his teeth and uh it's upsetting and i would just like to say to specify and please hear me on this aliens if you're out there please do not do that to me (laughs) yeah i think that's very good i think maybe we need to add that to our outro um every week might make the make it a little bit lengthy, but um, I think it's necessary. I do not want that experience. I um, I felt like the whole time watching it, my jaw was clenched very tight. Um, I did, I was like, I refused to even open my mouth while looking at this scene. Yeah, it's a nightmare. Um, really terrible. I getting into a little personal information i've never had a cavity so i've never actually had anyone drill into my teeth and the thought of that scares me a lot wow it's not it's not like this it that's not what happens at the dentist this is definitely how i imagine it happens at the dentist yeah no it's much worse at the dentist um because they're not they're just using like a laser these aliens but you know the dentist doesn't have that they just have like a drill yeah (laughs) much more archaic yeah we don't have the technology you see (laughs) i really like i mean it's it's, I guess saying I like it is fucked up, but Mulder's, like, trying to talk to Dwayne about what happens when he's abducted and tells him about his sister, and Dwayne tells him that sometimes, you know, he's he's seen little girls while 
being abducted and Mulder asks, you know, like, what are they doing to them? And, and Dwayne just goes doing tests, you know, testing them. And I was like, (laughs) yeah, you know, testing, testing them. Say no more. We've got it. (laughs) Well, we do. And also, maybe he doesn't know what they're testing him for. Yeah, no, he doesn't. But it just, the line is, I mean, (laughs) well written. Yeah, they're testing them, you fucking idiot. What else would they be doing? (laughs) Come on, Mulder. He's like, no, the little girls, they just get to play. So Skelly calls and uh, she's trying to talk to Mulder. She can't talk to Mulder, obviously, because he's now a hostage. Um, So she talks to, I think she talks to Alex. Maybe she talks to another FBI agent. But she very seriously says, like, you got to get Mulder out of there. He's in danger. Dwayne Barry is not what Mulder thinks that he is. And then there's like a very dramatic music cue and Scully turns around very dramatically to look at her computer. And when you look at her computer, you can see that like Dwayne Barry's picture is up there, but you can't actually read anything on the computer. No, I tried to like look and like all I could see was that it said, I think it says like psychiatric evaluation and it's like from the FBI or something. But like, yeah, we don't know. We just know that it's about him and it's like yeah we got that you didn't need the com- the computer shot unless you were gonna do a, a real close-up um with maybe fewer words like something simpler to let us know that <laughs> right they really set this up as if it was a reveal and then revealed nothing yeah then they waited until scully like scully comes and like barges in and is like I need to blah, 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 blah. And it's frankly very hot. And um, she, you know, reveals to them that, uh, I mean, he has a psychiatric evaluation on file that basically says that, you know, he's prone to, like, violent outbursts and all these things because he was, was he shot in the head? He was shot. shot in the line of duty and it fucked up his moral center basically yeah. or like the part of your brain that is capable of like differentiating morality he doesn't have that anymore it's gone and so he's a pathological liar and prone to violence and uh scully's like Mulder fully believes this man and so i need to save his life now Scully also says that, like, when this happens to people and this part of their brain is injured, they could also become pathological liars. Um, They're, like, dangerous and they can hurt people. So, basically, it sets us up to be, like, was Dwayne Barry ever telling the truth? Right. Although... I mean, yes, it does set that up. But I was like, I don't know. We saw all those abductions. So, like, I'm already on board. I'm with Mulder. I'm with Dwayne. This guy's been abducted. Maybe he's lying about some other things. But I've seen those aliens now. And and I'm convinced that he's not making it up. But 
but maybe that's just me. Yeah, I was unsure. Like, at this point, as I've said before, I expect there to be a few episodes where it turns out not to be aliens, or it turns out not to be a monster, and it turns out that humans are the real monster. And I thought that maybe this would be one of those episodes. Mm. Yeah. No. It's not. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I guess, I mean, partially, I think I just tend to believe the alien stuff, but also, I guess I do remember what happens next, and so I have a slight advantage in that context. That's true. But... Basically, Mulder saves Dwayne Barry from getting shot. At for for a second, he saves him, but then he also enrages him by being like, "Is all the stuff you told me true?" And then Dwayne goes off the handle, and then Mulder is like, "Okay, well, you have to be shot now." Yeah, <laughs> he he asks him whether or not he's been telling the truth the whole time, which, like, I mean, obviously that's going to upset him. I mean, come on, Mulder. But, yeah, he goes off the handles, and he's like, you think Dwayne Barry is a liar? Um, Which I think is also a great line. And then Mulder's like, well, damn it, now I have to get him shot again. And he sends him over, and they shoot him. But he doesn't die. He lives. Yeah, he doesn't die. That's maybe unfortunate, um, knowing what happens at the end of this episode. Yep, he makes it through, and um, while he's in the hospital, they do, obviously, x-rays and whatnot on him, and at a certain point in his conversations with Mulder, he had told him that the aliens were tracking him, and that's how they always know where he is and that they're tracking him through these devices that are in his nasal cavity and his belly button and his teeth, his teeth, right? Yeah. And the, where they're drilling and, um, when he's in the hospital and they get the x-rays done, they find pieces of metal in each of those places. So, uh uh-oh. They do. And when the FBI agent tells Mulder, she's kind of like, hey, I don't know what this is about, but uh, just so you know, he was telling the truth all those times we thought he was lying. Yeah, she clearly doesn't believe in aliens, but she's like, Mulder, I just think you should know about this and you can handle it. I don't, I don't really want to look further into it. <laughs> yeah, I guess she does just give the medal to Mulder, because um, Scully gets it somehow. Yeah, and okay, nobody mentions this, but is it not pretty similar to the pieces of metal they find in the kids from season one, episode one, that are in their nasal cavities? No, nobody. Do you remember that? When they're in Oregon and 
they dig up that kid's body and they find the thing in his nose and then Skelly like has it in the little jar and it's like literally identical. Wow. Bringing up that historical knowledge. I definitely forgot about that. Apparently but I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Would have been a critical moment for them to be like, remember how we've seen this before in another alien abduction case? Right. And Scully then, for whatever reason, scans the piece of metal um, under like <laughs> a grocery line like scanner and it goes crazy and if she still had that other one it would be a perfect moment to be like maybe this one does the same thing yeah it would have yeah they like she gets it analyzed because she tells Mulder about it and it's like I don't want you to think or like they're talking about it she's like Mulder it's obviously you know like it's not what you think and then she gets it analyzed and it has these little lines on it and the guy that's like doing the analysis with her is like unfazed by this he's like yeah that's weird those are really tiny it took a really small instrument to do that anyway it looks like it would be like you know a tracking device and then just like nothing and so skelly obviously scans it at a grocery store because she couldn't have done it anywhere else yeah I don't know why she chooses to do that. But I do have to say that the blazer that she's wearing in that grocery store is beautiful. <laughs> you could almost say beautiful. And I don't know why, because it's not blue. It is like a very light pink blazer. I wish that it was blue. Uh, you know what? You know, I think I was, I was uh, combining the words blazer and beautiful. Mm. So it was beautiful. <laughs> I like that word. I think we should probably coin that. Yeah. Um, well, Scully calls Mulder to tell him about this, you know, potential tracking device that she's now learned definitely does something. She's leaving him a voicemail and she's like, I think, you know, they could be using it to catalog him. And she is, okay, I wrote an interesting note about this. Because I said, she's, you know, obviously in her house. In the dark, kind of. She has lamps on, but they're like the dullest lamps that I've ever seen. Like, they do not illuminate any space other than, like, the foot beneath them. So she is essentially in the dark. Um, the woman needs different lamps, and she hears, like, a noise, looks out her window, and Dwayne Barry's face is, like, right fucking there. Okay, well, I think the important, the most important thing here is that I wrote the exact same thing about the lamps. Like, what are I they wrote, there for? <laughs> I wrote, Scully is in the pitch dark at the end of this episode, and she does have multiple lamps on, and they just don't help. They, like, just, they I, don't do anything. It really is like she doesn't have any light on, even though we are shown multiple lamps. It's the weirdest setup. I mean, I don't understand what they're for. They're not for light, that's for sure. No, it's just, she just likes the way the lampshade looks. 
Yeah. So once again, I'm sure you were very upset with her uh, for being in the dark. I was. But, you know, I do recognize that she probably would be kidnapped by Dwayne either way. Um, But it'd be less scary to watch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and so she's on the phone with Mulder, as you said, and she gets kidnapped and she's just yelling on the phone, Mulder, I need you, Mulder, help me. And it's like Mulder didn't even answer the phone. She's leaving She's leaving a voicemail, basically. Yeah. I mean, I guess there's a chance that if he's home and asleep, it's playing out loud and it would wake him up. But it doesn't seem to be happening that way. Uh, and the episode ends with a to-be-continued. So that's pretty exciting. To-be-continued? I was not expecting that. And that's the first time I think that we've seen that in I the think, X-Files so yeah. far. I think you are correct, and I thought that you'd be pleased to know that they will indeed pick up on this same plotline the next episode. I am pleased to know that, and I like that they they assumed that we might not know for sure that they would. Um, so they had to write to be continued. They have. I mean, they have to let you know that, like, we're we're still going to do this one. Don't worry, you guys. Like, we'll wrap this up. Yeah. And I'm excited for it. So the next episode, the to-be-continued episode, is called Ascension. And it says, Mulder attempts to rescue Scully after she is abducted by a deranged man who believes in UFOs. Dwayne Barry. I'm not going to assume anything, but that that's what it points to. A yes. different man kidnapped her. You never know. You never know. Yeah, it feels like I at this at this moment I don't um I, I want to say aliens if you're out there maybe not right now. We're scared of you. <laughs> Aliens, seriously, please don't come get us. We're we're scared. 